another question that we might have is what patients would we want to look at to perform endexpiratory occlusion testing? Well, the first caveat is that these patients need to be on mechanical ventilation. And in addition to that, they have to be in need for an evaluation of fluid responsiveness. You're not going to take a patient who has good urine output, who's normal tensive, not tachycardic, and go ahead and try to try to do this. But the reason why it's a patient that needs to be the reason why a patient needs to be mechanically ventilated again has to do with the intrathoracic pressures of the whole heart lung interaction that I mentioned before. But the patients here need to be able to sustain a 15 second expiratory hold. Okay, this requires somebody to go to the ventilator, whether it be and and again every every facility facility is different as to who could touch the ventilator. So I definitely recommend that you talk to your friendly neighborhood respiratory therapist to get the green light from them uh, that you're going to be messing with the ventilator depending on your on your hospital protocols. But you know, if your patient is extremely tachypnic, they might not be able to sustain that 15-second expiratory hold. Um, some studies have actually gone ahead and pushed the expiratory hold to 30 seconds, but there was a meta-analysis published by Gavelli and his colleagues, which is free for you to download. And again, all of the all of this uh, all of the contents of this podcast, as well as links to all the articles that I'm going to be discussing in this podcast right now, are down in the show notes. So please go ahead. Um, check out those links, download the articles for yourself, and at the end of the day, don't trust me because this is not medical advice. But the original studies showed that the expiratory hold should be 15 seconds. Others have gone ahead and looked for the potential of using a 30-second expiratory hold. However, that meta-analysis showed that there was really no difference between the 15-second hold and the 30-second hold. Now, when we talk about, uh, for example, pulse pressure variation or stroke volume variation, we have to be very cognizant of the tidal volume that the patient is receiving in order to estimate the effect on the heart-lung interaction mentioned before. At first, it was quite unclear whether the patients needed to be on 6 cc's per kilogram of ideal body weight or 8 cc's per kilogram. And uh, this was, again, initially unclear. But fortunately, we have a little bit more clarity on this now. And Gavelli and his, and his colleagues, again, in that meta-analysis from 2020, which is free for you to download, showed that tidal volumes less than or equal to 7 were better, actually, with an area under the curve of 0.96. And again, I don't expect you to know, uh, for the sake of this podcast, what an area under the curve of 0.96 means, but I'll just go ahead and say it. It's outstanding. And patients who received tidal volumes over 7 cc's per kilogram of ideal body weight, here the area under the curve was 0.89 which is still excellent. Yeah, uh, 0.96 is better than 0.89, but at the end of the day, none of these measurements are 100% perfect. Anybody who pretends to tell you that they know the best way to do this is frankly lying to you. This is one of the Goldilocks of, is it Goldilocks? Uh, no, it's, um, uh, I forgot the saying, but basically there's no uh, holy grail. There we go. It, there, there's no holy grail for fluid responsiveness. But carrying on, Patients would be better with a tidal volume of less than or equal to 7 cc's per kilogram of ideal body weight. But if you have to use a tidal volume that's over that, then it's not really that big a deal. Now, the PEEP is something else that we go ahead and provide our patients with. 
and it's something that we have to take into account. But in 2019, I cited a paper that that and I read a paper that states if a peep if the patient has a peep between five to fourteen, they should be fine. Um, in reality, a meta-analysis also showed that peep settings greater than or equal to seven perform better, but you know it's it's just a marginal a marginal benefit. And when I'm doing this in my practice, I'm not going to be changing peep to try to get a slightly better end expiratory occlusion value. We also have to keep in mind that this is not going to work on, on prone patients, so don't even try it there. Welcome to the Saving Lives Podcast. I'm Eddie Jill. Today is the 22nd of October of 2021, and today I'm going to be discussing end expiratory occlusion as a method that we could use in our critically ill patients who are on mechanical ventilation as a method to determine whether a patient is going to benefit from IV fluids. In other words, is this patient fluid or volume responsive? Now, the reason why this is important is because only 50% of critically ill patients are fluid responsive. And we know that 66% of patients in septic shock are volume overloaded in hospital day one. That means we're giving patients way, way, way too much fluids. But there are a number of different ways that we could assess whether a patient's going to benefit from fluids or not. And I've discussed before, and I plan on discussing some more about using passive leg raise, pulse pressure variation, stroke volume variation, things of that nature to determine fluid responsiveness in our patients. But today, I'm going to be discussing a different type of method that you may not have heard of before. And as a matter of fact, to be completely transparent with you, I had not really heard of this much before either until I embarked in this whole volume responsiveness slash fluid responsiveness endeavor that I started going on approximately three to four years ago. Because, you know, this this is not stuff that's necessarily taught uh, very often unless you really go down the rabbit hole. And so that's why I appreciate you joining me on this journey as we all go down this rabbit hole together. The first question is, what is end expiratory occlusion testing? Well, first of all, it's a method that we could use at the bedside to determine whether a patient is fluid responsive. We've actually known about this since 2009 when Xavier Monet, who's one of the legends in critical care, explored this concept. See, the way that it works is a little bit too difficult for me to explain in the pod, in a podcast form. It has to do with the heart-lung interaction, which could be a 30 to 45-minute podcast on its own if we really get to the, to the thick of things. But what we want to do here is provide information that's actually going to be useful at the bedside. And since 2009, there have been at least 12 additional studies that have been published in, on, this, uh, on the subject of end expiratory occlusion testing. So what are the things we need to do at the bedside to perform an end expiratory occlusion? Well, while the patient is on the ventilator, we're going to perform an expiratory hold for, as I mentioned before, 15 seconds. The patient, again, needs to be in a clinical state where they could tolerate this 15-second expiratory hold, of course. Simultaneously, there needs to be some sort of way to capture your favorite, your favorite way actually to determine a change in cardiac output. Yeah, you could also check for stroke volume, cardiac index, or other methodologies of determining fluid responsiveness, but the original study by Monet actually used pulse contour analysis to determine uh, changes in cardiac output. There has been more recent data that was published earlier this year that if your shop uses bioreactants, and again, for the sake of sparing commercial bias, um, 
I'm not going to mention the names of those machines, but if you have a bioreactance machine, you chances are you know which one it is, which brand name. But if you do use bioreactants, there's a special way that you need to set up your device. And if you want to look that up, it's in the description box below. So what you're going to do is that you're going to establish a baseline cardiac output prior to the inspiratory hold. Then you're going to go ahead and perform the inspiratory hold for the 15 seconds. And one should see an increase in the cardiac output by five or by, by, by 5%, excuse me, or more towards the end of the 15 seconds. At least that's what the, the data has shown. So the diagnostic threshold here for a positive end expiratory occlusion pressure is actually lower than the standard definition of fluid responsiveness, where usually there they want a cardiac output uh, change of greater than or equal to 10%. But the most recent meta-analysis states that if we see an increase in the cardiac output by approximately 5%, that is a, an appropriate diagnostic threshold to determine volume responsiveness. So this is actually quite good. So again, it's, 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 very, it's very helpful if we could go ahead and start doing this on our patients because just a slight increase in cardiac output of greater than 5% will show that the patient will benefit from additional IV fluids. Now, the next question is what have the studies found when they've looked at this actual, actually validating anti-expiratory occlusion? And Monet, as well as other, other authors, they found that it's actually excellent at predicting fluid responsiveness and should really be something that we're incorporating to our practice daily for patients who fit the criteria. They've actually found it better than using passive leg raise, although the area under the curve when you compare using end expiratory occlusion to, say, passive leg raise is excellent. But as a bonus, Monet found, and his colleagues, and again, read the paper for yourself, they found that just seeing an increase in the mean arterial pressure while doing the end expiratory occlusion test showed to be very, very good at predicting fluid responsiveness. So that means that you may be able to get away with not measuring a cardiac output while doing this, which is an added bonus. But again, this is something that needs to be explored further. So let's say, for example, your end expiratory occlusion test shows a change of greater than 5%. Well, what are you going to do next? Well, here's where you go ahead and you administer a bolus of IV fluids. The studies have used different, different variations of fluids, but uh, the one by Bonet, the initial study, showed that a 500cc bolus should be enough for these patients. To conclude this podcast and bring it all home, I need to remind us all, including myself for that matter, that there's no perfect way to determine fluid responsiveness. At this time, we, we just do not have perfection. We're left with these tools to help us determine to the best of our abilities who's going to benefit from additional fluid response, fluid resuscitation, excuse me, or not in our critically ill patients. Again, there's no absolute test that's perfect. Anybody who states this is uh, lying. Anybody who states that there is something that's perfect. So again, this needs to be a patient who's on mechanical ventilation and potentially hemodynamically unstable. Tidal volume, don't really worry about it too much. Peep level, try to keep it less than 14. Don't do this on prone patients. Do an expiratory hold for 15 seconds while the patient is on some sort of monitoring device that will determine cardiac output or a change in cardiac output. And if the change in cardiac output is greater than or equal to 5%, 
then this patient is going to benefit from additional fluid resuscitation. Again, I'm really against people giving uh, boluses of fluids arbitrarily. So this could be a way that we could avoid drowning our patients who are critically ill in the ICU, who are trusting us entirely with their lives. And, you know, many, many people, unfortunately, are just giving patients IV fluids really willy-nilly. Again, this is not medical advice. Go to the description box below so you can check out the links to this article on my webpage that talks about all this in a little bit more detail. Also, the articles have a lot of cool pictures, which I obviously can't show here. And I, was, and I can't show them on my website either because of copyright issues. So you can go ahead and check them out for yourself. Thanks a lot for your support. Have a great day. Bye.